I'm Speech Thomas from the hip-hop crew Arrested Development. On the new VPM podcast, Track Change, I take you behind the walls of Richmond City Jail, where I help four men record an album and hear how they're trying to break free from a cycle of addiction and incarceration. Been so long since I've been free. Subscribe to Track Change in your podcast app. This is episode three of our series. If you haven't already, I highly recommend that you go back and start with episode one. From Story Mechanics and VPO. Previously on Admissible. Mary Jane Burton, sort of the angel of the Virginia Innocence Movement. She was everybody's hero. The police in Charlotte thought she was the greatest thing since sliced bread. She was like Mary Jane, was a legend. All I know is that Gina was upset because some tests weren't being run properly. We were working in the lab and she came in and she got the record books and she was erasing stuff. We're like, can't erase stuff. And so we're like sitting there, what in the heck? The whole time she's erasing these books, she didn't know that we had already copied them. So then we waited till she left and we copied the books again. And that's when we found all the stuff was changed. Reporter Sophie Behrman and I are calling around trying to verify the story we heard in our last episode from a woman named Gina Demas about her concerns surrounding the work of Virginia's longtime chief serologist, Mary Jane Burton. We start with Joan Fonts, the other serologist who Gina claims shared her concerns. Tessa and I are doing a project on the DNA testing and notification project and Mary Jane Burton, and we were hoping to speak with you. Did she just hang up? Yeah. Should I call back and say I think we got disconnected? Definitely. We do call her back. It doesn't work. Joan won't take our calls, just like she won't respond to our letters and won't open the door when we go to her house and try to plead our case. Joan isn't the only one who doesn't want to talk. Whenever we bring up Gina's name, people start to get cagey. A few people would only talk off the record. One person wouldn't say a word until we turned off our mic altogether. This means one thing. Those documents Gina told us about, the ones that contain proof of her allegations, we need to find those documents. So where are they? Gina says that in the 2000s, about 30 years after she started questioning Mary Jane's work, Gina heard something in the news that caught her attention. The state of Virginia had found bits of DNA evidence stashed away in Mary Jane's old case files. So I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to take one more run at this. Gina went to a lawyer who was involved in the state's case review. Gina told her she had some information that might be of interest. I rented a car because I was afraid somebody might follow me or something with these documents. I remember parking in some underground garage and looking around like, oh my gosh, what is somebody's coming to get me? (laughs) I'm picturing the parking garage and all the president's men. And while it seems far-fetched, it makes me wonder, what could possibly be in this box of documents that's this dangerous? 
And I got these documents up to her office and showed her. She said, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I'm handing this over to you now. You're responsible for it. I've done everything I can possibly do. Nobody seems to want to fix this. I thought maybe after she looked at the stuff, she'd call back, but she never did. And I pretty much told her I lost my job. I've tried to do something about this every time I've had a chance. I said, you're just another stop. You girls are just another stop. We don't want to be just another stop, though we're not wildly optimistic that this lawyer will still have the box. I reach out, and the lawyer responds by email. I call Sophie. Did you see email just now or earlier? I did not. What did she say? She says she does have Dina's documents. (gasps) What? Yeah. I assume they'd be lost or thrown away or something. Okay, that's huge. The lawyer has the documents, but says she can't speak to the merits of Gina's allegations. So she says she doesn't know anything about it. Like, she doesn't want to talk about the allegations themselves. I guess not, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Gina just really turns people off, it seems like. She's like this third rail that nobody wants to talk about. They're not interested in opening that box. Other people might not be interested in opening that box, but we sure are. The lawyer sends us the documents, which arrive in a banged-up cardboard box. Look at all this. Holy shit. This is a lot. This is a lot. You know that Pandora's box I mentioned at the beginning of this series? The one I've been carrying around with me the last four years? This is that box. This is Admissible. I'm Tessa Kramer. Should we open up our massive? Yes, let's see what we got in the <laughs> yeah, box. Yeah, I'll move these over. What's in the box? This box is... We bring the box over to Gina's house and start pulling things out. Gosh, I didn't realize it was this one. Let's yeah. see. Oh, boy. Let's pull it out. We start going through the documents, and it is a mess. Faded photocopies with scribbled notes in the margins, people's names and phone numbers, old newspaper clippings, random pages stapled together. It's very complicated. Some neat handwriting there. That's me. These are Jones. That's Mary Jane's handwriting. We've got papers spread out across Gina's dining room table, some falling on the floor. Oopsies. (laughs) I'm waiting for a moment where... It feels like things are clicking into place with these documents. But the deeper we get into the box, it just feels more confusing. What in the world? What is this? I think maybe some pages are missing. Plus, to me and Sophie, this is like trying to read hieroglyphics. RH positive EAPB esterase D1 and then haptoglobin 21M. So what does all this mean? Okay. I'm still going. I know. (laughs) All this gibberish seems important. But for now, what we're really looking for are the photocopies of Mary Jane's notes. 
The books Gina says she caught Mary Jane erasing and changing results in back in 1977. Those books that are changed. That's what I wanted y'all to see that, but I can't find it now. We've gone through all the rest of it. Oops. Yeah, we've gone through all the rest of it. Copies of the electrophoresis workbook. Finally, Gina finds the copies. Hold on to your heads while they explode. Let me see if I can figure this out. Okay, it says the top before. Let's see if there were changes on this one. Oh, I've got them tied to each other. One, B, 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 B. It's the same. B, C, B, B. There are photocopies labeled before and after. We're looking for any discrepancies between them. It's like one of those spot-the-difference puzzles, except it's hundreds of pages long and everything is in grayscale. After hours of looking, we have spotted no differences whatsoever. Sophie and I call it a night. Okay. Well, what'd you think? That was so intense. We got there at 6.30. It's been almost four hours. I don't find her that credible. Really? Yeah. She was unable to really find, like, anything. I don't know. It was a lot of stuff, but of what? I guess I'm waiting for that aha moment where I'm like, oh, I see this. I don't know. That box of documents is a freaking nightmare. I am determined to make sense of this freaking nightmare. I can get a little obsessive about organization. Like, if it can be alphabetized, already done it. That night, I stay up late going through the documents page by page, sorting them into piles on the floor of our hotel room. The next day, we head back to Gina's, and I place my freshly ordered piles on the table. I had to reorganize the pages had gotten out of order. Yeah. I'm arranging the piles, labeling them with color-coded sticky notes. This stack should be identical, so where are these papers? Putting them in order by date. These go in this pile, I think. I don't know. Yeah, that's the top of this. All right. Because this is the same as this page. (laughs) That's going to be vigilant about not mixing the piles. That's me, vigilant with my piles. As Sophie and Gina are talking, I start comparing the before and after copies. There was a regional lab in Northern Virginia. I found a change. I find a change. Is it haptoglobin? No, it's the E-P-A-P-A-S-T-R-A-S-T. Oh, you found it. Good. According to Gina, this is a case where Mary Jane erased something and made the lab secretary type up a new report. And then Mary Jane shredded the original one. What's the date? May 16th, 1977. It's a page that looks like this. I'm looking at two copies of the same page from a notebook where Mary Jane wrote down her test results for that day. And they're copied a few weeks apart. The pages are identical except for item number 33. On the original copy, Mary Jane had written down one result. And on the other copy, it's different. Just a couple characters different. I mean, I don't know. Is, it is this it? If it's change, it's a different blood type. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like saying, they're O. No, they're A. There's B, B, A, and then these are S, Ds. It's a 1, it's a 2, 1. I'm sorry, I feel like the skeptical, but unless we have a sheet showing that she didn't do another test, isn't there 
a reason that it could have changed? She could have rerun the test. No, because here's or what how the do we like? Look, you can't have two tests from the same day with different things. Can't get two different results on March the 16th or May the 16th. You would go back and write, you know, a new entry. Like, you would just, yeah. Okay, I get it. That's pretty damning. There's really no excuse for an analyst to change their bench notes. Like, yes, mistakes happen, but if they do, you make a note of it. That you messed up and ran a new test on a different day. Or maybe you made a typo and here's what you meant to say. But you never go back and erase. And item 33 is not just any piece of evidence. It's the blood sample taken from a suspect. The sample they would compare with evidence found at the crime scene to see if it's the same blood type. Let me explain a little of what's going on here. This was a rape case, and the police found some blood at the crime scene. Blood believed to have come from the perpetrator who'd been cut during the attack. Mary Jean ran her tests, and then the police sent Mary Jane a sample from their suspect to see if he matched that blood found at the crime scene. And for some reason, the suspect's blood sample was left in the storage refrigerator for too long. And instead of getting another sample, she typed it anyway. This is a prime example of the behavior Gina described in our last episode. Mary Jane being determined to get a result for the police, even when the evidence was too iffy to call. And when the cops get Mary Jane's report... I guess the report didn't make any sense to the cops. So they called her up. They're like, what in the world? You know, this doesn't match and all this kind of stuff. And instead of saying, hmm, maybe something was wrong with my evidence. I'd better get a new sample. Mary Jane just erased and changed her original result for the suspect's blood type without running any new tests. And this is key. She changed it in a way that matched the perpetrator's blood found at the crime scene. But I'm actually not a trained serologist. What if there is some explanation for all of this? We need to get a second opinion from someone besides Gina who speaks this language. I managed to make it through 43 years of this job by doing my best damn work. If you can't do that, don't do this job. As I would tell my students, you can't just make shit up. You have to prove it. That's coming up after the break. You want to know the best way to do this is to get us all together in the room going through this stuff with a whiteboard and we can mark it down, just tabulate the hell out of things. Marilyn Miller is a retired serologist. She recently left her job as a professor of forensic science and crime scene investigation at Virginia Commonwealth University. My producer Ellen Horn and I meet her with mics rolling. Life is just a bunch of sounds to you, huh? <laughs> nice to meet you all. Yeah, nice, so nice. Marilyn pulls up with a briefcase and a leather-bound tome that looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. What is this book? Well, you know, I tried to anticipate all my needs. I brought almost all of my office with me. What's left of it? 43 years worth of accumulated reference materials. (laughs) Welcome to Serology 101, which is great. 
because I have some basic questions for Marilyn. Like, what was a serologist like Mary Jane Burton doing all day long? And it's actually you're identifying proteins. Okay, this yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm just going to put it on the board. It's easier oh, to see absolutely. This. That's what the board is for. Marilyn starts drawing a flow chart on the whiteboard, tracing the path of a piece of evidence. Say, a reddish-brown stain found at a crime scene. First thing you do are some prelim screening tests. A simple preliminary test that could actually be done by investigators at the crime scene to see if that reddish-brown stain is what they think it is. If it's positive, it, is it gives blood. you... No, it's giving it you the possibility that it might be blood. It might be blood. The problem is there are lots of false positives. Okay. You still need to then do the Takayama. The Takayama, a more precise test that had to be done with a microscope in the laboratory. If the Takayama is negative... Let's put the negative over here since I'm running out of space. <laughs> if it's negative, then you most likely had a false positive up here. Mm-hmm. However, you get a positive here then absolutely we know that it is blood. 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 But what kind of blood? The next step would be then to do a species. Believe it or not, it's not that uncommon for some kind of animal blood or saliva to end up at a crime scene. So all this is what we call identification steps. What we move into next are called individualization steps. So at this point, the analyst has done a bunch of tests to figure out what the evidence even is. Now they start running tests to narrow down the pool of possible suspects. Basically going from is it blood to whose blood. They test for specific enzymes and genetic markers that can help tell people apart. I want to explain a little bit here. Many people secrete their blood type in other bodily fluids, like semen and saliva. Some people don't, non-secretors. And in your blood, there are all kinds of other markers beyond your ABO blood type. EAP, haptoglobin, esterase D. Throughout the 70s and 80s, these tests got much more advanced, and the number of enzymes they could identify increased. So... Especially if a perpetrator had a rare blood type, they could narrow down to a pretty small pool of suspects. But still, these tests could never pinpoint an individual person the way DNA can. Are there any cases where they're still doing serology testing, or is it really irrelevant with DNA? It's kind of irrelevant. It's a dying art. This is why we went to Maryland in the first place. It's not that easy to find people who can still interpret the bench notes and results of this dying art. With our primer in serology complete, we're ready to get into the substance of what I've come here to talk to Marilyn about, Mary Jane's serology. Gina's box of documents contained much more than that one case where we found the discrepancy, pages upon pages from the lab's record books, and a handful of cases where Gina had highlighted specific issues with Mary Jane's work. Gina said even this is just a fraction of all the cases with issues that she and Joan found back in the 70s. Gina claims they had a stack of papers three feet high. As far as we know, this box is all that remains. Before our meeting, I'd sent Marilyn copies of Gina's documents. I tried to tell her the bare minimum about Gina's story. I didn't even tell her Gina's name. 
I really wanted as unbiased an assessment of Mary Jane's work as possible. Though Marilyn had heard of Mary Jane before. I had heard of her as this person that had saved these samples that we were able to get 13 or however many exonerations it is. That's what, you know, I find so disheartening is that she wasn't as great as I thought she was. There were many instances where she did not do the steps that we talked about. All those basic steps to make sure your evidence is what you think it is. Now, Marilyn tries to put herself in Mary Jane's shoes to imagine why she might do this, what she might have been thinking as she handled the evidence at her lab bench. I'm being Mary Jane here. Yeah. If I had the evidence... If it looked red-brown, and I keep in mind, I've seen a thousand of these. It's the right color. I don't want to waste the sample to run a presumptive. The evidence from a crime scene, it's not infinite. So giving Mary Jane the benefit of the doubt, maybe she was concerned about using up her evidence. Basically thinking, eh, I know what blood looks like. I'm not going to waste this sample on those first few tests. In some cases, she will call it human blood. When she hadn't even done the species test, the, that, that's, that's a red flag. That's a bigger red flag? That's a, yeah, that's bigger than the presumptive test. Skipping the species test is a big deal. Without it, you can't tell animal blood from human blood. She just automatically jumped to ABO, and then she did the EAP, SRACD, and the haptoglobin. And what is problematic about that? It's just not the way you do it. It's not scientific. When I first heard some of Gina's concerns, I admit that they struck me as nitpicky. But the more I talk to her and Marilyn, I'm getting why this stuff is so important. Most of the time, yes, you could be pretty sure that this blood is human blood. But there are several cases in Gina's documents where this appears to have been an issue. A hunting accident where Mary Jane typed deer blood as human— a case that was thrown out because the defense argued a saliva sample could have come from the victim's cat and Mary Jane hadn't run the species test. The headline ran, Prosecutor Done In by Cat. Another one of Gina's concerns as far as basic procedures go, the fact that Mary Jane worked in pencil. Bad. Bad. <laughs> basic, basic lab, because you can change it. I mean, in organic chemistry, hell, in Gen Chem 1 and Gen Chem 2, the very first chemistry classes you take, or even biology 1 and 2, first thing they tell you when you're doing a lab is you can't use pencil because you can erase and change, and we don't do that in science. Right. That little problem of erasing and changing test results. We start looking at the case where we'd found the changed um, blood type. So this was copied on May 20th. And then this is the same page from the same notebook copied a few weeks later. Yes. And these are obviously different. Yeah, because she just snuck in an A right here. We're talking about item number 33, the suspect's blood sample. Yeah, so what can you what do you make of that particular? It's tampering with evidence. That's all I could think of. It has to be. That's just you don't do that. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's really bad. 
That is really, really bad. Marilyn also confirms that Mary Jane's initial result for the suspect would have been inconclusive, but she changed it in a way that could implicate him. If it had remained just B, then it could possibly be the same as the victim. Yeah, because she reported it as B-A. It adds value to it. It's a change that made her results more valuable to investigators. Looking at Marilyn, she's having a physical response. You look tired just thinking about this. It's cheating. It's cheating. It's like forging a check, you know, going in and, and adding a couple zeros. It's evidence tampering, frankly, but, you know, it's kind of stuff that would be missed. If your person weren't keeping an eye on her and copying the book at different times, it would have never been noticed. I mean, this is matching up with what was alleged, and so that's very important for us to understand. Because I don't have any vested interest. I'm sorry that I'm maybe destroying somebody. I really don't want to do that, but you don't change evidence. You don't create evidence. You don't make it fit your scenario. So that's a bad one. That's a bad one. You know, the skipping of the presumptives and the species origin are not great, but they're not this. That was the one that seemed That's pretty egregious. You know, I'm not a lab director. I've never been a lab director. All I can say is that that would be grounds for, at very least, retraining, at most firing. Clearly, Marilyn is deeply troubled by Mary Jane's work. At the same time, she wonders, what is the point of dredging all of this up now? I have been sleepless worrying about what is to be gained by dragging Mary Jane Burton and showing she made mistakes. Did she make mistakes? Yes. But what is to be gained that wasn't already gained by the review that our governor ordered in 2005? What more is to be gained? I mean, the fact that, you know, 13 people were exonerated, that's a big number. That's a big, as Joe Biden would say, a big f***ing deal, okay? It is a big deal. There's no denying the good that came out of what Mary Jane did by saving these samples. So these anxieties that Marilyn is expressing, I have them too. But the issues here are glaring. Marilyn sums it up with one word. Incompetence. Okay, that's the best word I can come up with. (laughs) But you know why she did this? When it seems like she should have been a competent scientist. She'd been around doing this for a while. Why would somebody who's been doing this for a long time make these kind of errors? There had to be a cause. Overwork, underpaid, underloved. Underloved? We ask her to elaborate. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, you you know, your home life always affects your work life. It always does. If you're having a shitty day at home, you're going to have a shitty day at work. Everybody knows that. What was Mary Jane's home life? Who was the person who made these mistakes? And could the answer to that question help us answer a bigger one? Why would someone do this? That's next time on Admissible. Admissible is produced and hosted by Tessa Kramer. 
Our executive producer is Ellen Horn. Original reporting by Tessa Kramer and Sophie Behrman, with additional reporting by Ben Pavier and Whitney Evans. Our editor is Danielle Elliott, with additional editing by Ellen Horn. Our production team is Dana Bialik, Chloe Wynn, Gilda DiCarli, Leslie Nyer, Kristen Vermilia, and Kim Naderfame-Peterson. Production legal by Craig Merritt and Ennis Smolanski. Gavin Wright is VPM's managing producer for podcasts. Meg Lindholm is the director of podcast production. Sound design and mix by Charles Michelet. Music by Del Toro Sound and Story Mechanics. And with additional music by APM. Our theme music is by me, Brian J. Howard of Del Toro Sound. Contributions of music and performances by Jay Gonzalez, Carlton Owens, Nick Rosen, Matt Pistol Stosel, Kevin Sweeney, and R. Sloan Simpson. Special thanks to Steve Humble, Paige Williams, Emile DeWeaver, Chioki Ianson, Kelly Jones, Mangesh Hatikudur, Lulu Miller, Chancherai Koenika, Kelly Pride, Nick Vanderkolk, John and Eileen Kramer, Adam Savage, Alexandra Cole, and iHeartMedia's Beth Ann Macaluso and Dylan Fagan. Admissible Season 1 Shreds of Evidence is produced by Story Mechanics and VPM, Virginia's home for public media. We are distributed by iHeartMedia. VPM.